Sign away my freedom. Why, this is... The Outline World Dispatch. Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a story on the theme of power, culture, or the future. Handpicked from theoutline.com. The future. Recently, Google held their annual developer conference where they announce what's new and what's coming, called Google I.O. And frankly, all that news can be super overwhelming, but important. I mean, how many of us actually interact with at least one Google thing a day? Maps, docs, everything. A lot of y'all are probably listening through one of those speakers right now. So today, you're going to hear from the entire squad of the future section here at The Outline. So that's Casey Johnston, the editor, Paris Martineau, a staff writer, and Caroline Haskins, our current intern for the future section. They're going to cut through all the bullshit and tell you the most important takeaways from Google I.O. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, Casey, take it away. Good morning. Welcome to Google I.O. It's a beautiful day. I think warmer than last year. Hope you're all enjoying it. Thank you for joining us. All right, Paris and Caroline, thank you for joining me today here. So yesterday, at least two of us uh, watched the Google I.O. keynote. Caroline, I don't know if you did. I watched some of it after the fact. Okay, so we all watched at least some of it, and we were all sitting there trying to make sense of all the new features that they were presenting and whether they'll ever have any basis in reality. Um, Paris, you were... I was live stalking the entire time. Okay, I was not screaming. I was just very excitedly slacking about the possibility of cool stuff. So I think let's just go over in language that people who aren't Android developers can understand. What would you say was like the theme of the whole keynote? I mean, that's kind of a hard question, but I mean, every keynote, they want to present a bunch of cool, innovative, new ideas, Mm -hmm. but... I mean, I guess the common thread that I had noticed is that Google announced a lot of features or apps or potential apps that make use of all of the data and things they collect about you to like make your life ostensibly more like easier or better or more convenient mm-hmm. because they're all going to be connected in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wrote a piece about this that you called this the Google Extended Universe. Can you say a little bit more about what you meant by that? Google collects a lot of information about all of us on everything we do, whether it's, you know, just searching or if you have an Android phone, everything you ever do on that phone or Gmail or, Gmail, or, or Google pictures or YouTube or calendar, all of the things, maps, you could go on. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like up until recently, I mean, they mostly use that data for internal things or to sell to advertisers or to um, create better profiles for ads. But what I happened to notice in this keynote was a lot of the features or apps that were being announced made use of this data in some way. Like one mm-hmm. of the uh, first times I noticed that they announced this update to Google News, which had a lot of interesting features about it. But the one thing that struck me is once you sign into it, I assume with your Google account, you don't. they mentioned during the keynote that... You don't have to, you know, set your preferences for what sort of news you like or tell it where you live. There's no screen that pops up where it's like, pick your interest in it's Yeah, like or it's like, pick whatever, you know. Sports or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it just like, like you open it. sites you like. You open and it, it just got, goes. Yeah, but it knows everything, basically. With the new Google News, we set out to help you do three things. First, keep up with the news you care about. Second, understand the full story. And finally, enjoy and support the sources you love. 
Like the guy on stage, he was like, oh, I don't need to tell it that I like politics and live in the Bay Area and bike. It'll just show me stuff from that because it knows. And I'm like, where the fuck is it getting that from, Google? That's terrifying. I mean, yeah, you can imagine that. Like who who isn't, you know, gripped by politics right now. But like if you spend a lot of time looking up Google Maps directions for how to ride places on a bike. That knows you're right now. You know now. Now you're going to get all of the biking, all of the cycling stories on Google News that you could possibly want. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, um, if you look up like movie tickets, or you look up information about the Avengers, mm-hmm. then it'll oh my god, show you get I every guess, Avengers story. Yeah, it will show you all of the Avengers stories, or so um, on and so forth. I forget if this was one of the things you were excited about, but do you see this as a good thing, um, or do no, you think this is this a was, problem? Uh, it's the sort of thing where, I guess, on a day-to-day basis for most consumers, yeah, it'll be convenient. Okay, Google's collecting this information about us either way. But I think the issue here is that, I mean, it's not just for stuff like Google News. It's in most of their products was this sort of core functionality of knowing everything about you without having to tell you. And I feel like the fact of the matter is we don't, there isn't really any transparency into how they've gotten this data, what information they have, where it's being shared within all of Google's apps or features and no way to hold them accountable for it. Mm-hmm. So if one tiny person connected to one of these things happens to, I guess, mess up the whole data privacy chain of command or whatever it is, then mm-hmm. all of this data could potentially get in the wrong hands. So are you referring to a Facebook Cambridge Analytica situation where fa- like Facebook itself wasn't really leaking data, but a developer found a way to like get access to a lot of data at once and then he could sort of just like port it out anywhere he could pot like anyone he could possibly share it to could like have it yeah it's the sort of thing that if like one person in this huge like so large it's like hard to even fathom how large it is chain of data sharing if one of them decides how many like, app developers yeah. there are how many like how many networks, random like, companies they're involving in this like, if one person decided like hey i'm gonna you know use this for this research project with this totally not evil at all sounding British political survey company mm-hmm. called Cambridge Analytica. Mm-hmm. You know, Something like that could very easily happen with this. And I mean, it just seems like the sort of thing that we all should be cognizant of, even so if we are excited about these features. Your piece on this, which is on posted conveniently on theoutline.com, ends with this line. Opening the floodgates of information is tempting, sure, but as tech scandal after tech scandal has shown us, it often goes poorly. Um, So I think that sort of ties into the whole, there's just like so many potential things that could go wrong Mm -hmm. with all of the sharing of this data. I mean, like if you think back to like a few years ago, Google actually didn't. It was in its privacy policy that, like, data could not be shared between, like, like your Gmail was one thing and your maps were another thing. And search and was they another would thing. Never, Android was another thing. The they thing- would never meet between. And the, at the time, like, it was six or so years ago that they became one sort of glob of data. It was, like, a big deal to, like, privacy people mm-hmm. that Google could, like, read your calendar and then, like, also take the location that an event might be and, like, show you a map of, like, where it was going to be, like, within, like, it, it would, yeah. like, link out to, like, a map. Thing. So, so it was, I mean, like, I very... think that's the issue at hand here is that Google or Alphabet, their parent company, touches so many parts of our lives in ways that seem different. Mm-hmm. It's not just, like, 
Gmail, Google Calendar, the stuff that has Google and, you know, it's everything that has to do with Android phones. Mm-hmm. And um, actually one of the things that they also announced was an update to Android's um, operating system. I think it's called Android P mm-hmm. that one part of it was they are able to like predict what app they think you might need next. But now they're oh, doing boy. the same thing, but with actions. So they're getting information from all of the uh, like time you spend on apps, as well as asking all of your, the app developers to give them information about what you're doing within the apps. Mm-hmm. So they can predict, like, am I going to send a Slack message to Casey <laughs> today at, like, 1.30? Is that what I'm going to do? If so, here's an icon for it. And they'll know, like everything about what you're doing at all times on your phone because that's oh your life, God. which is terrifying. And that is going to be shared to your Google Assistant, so to like, your everything. Let's try and make a concrete example. So if I'm texting someone, like say one of my siblings, and they're like, oh yeah, Mother's Day is this weekend. And I'll be like, oh man, I should really like, it's too late to send a card, but I should really send her some flowers. And then what, Google uh, would what be ad like, do you think you're going to get? <laughs> 1-800-Flowers, like either like, I don't know, an ad in your, they don't do ads in your text yet. No, but like, no. It's only a matter of time. And, or like, I don't know, here's, here's 1-800-Flowers app that I can like order flowers from, or I don't know, something. <sighs> what a time. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's a very large, complicated mess that I can understand, I guess, on like a day-to-day level for the average consumer, sounds great and will probably be helpful. But it's also, we have to start thinking about the worst-case scenarios for these things, you know? It's um, in regards to what recently happened with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. That's a concrete and relevant example. Yeah. But it could be much worse than that, and there's probably going to be others like that. Yeah, true. Um, Caroline, which part of the keynote did you actually watch? Um, I watched... It was not, to be clear, it was not your job to watch it, so just, like, yeah, no. above and no, beyond. Probably the first half. I think I, st- I, think I ended right around uh, what Paris was talking about with the, with the updates to, the, like, the P system on the Android. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I guess what stood out to me when I was watching was they seemed to be sort of emphasizing accessibility and an ethical approach to to the AI technology that they're mm-hmm. that they're integrating but it's it's not without I mean necessarily by using all of this stuff you're just becoming more reliant on their products and none of none of this is new in fact we can even apply machine learning to a 200 year old technology Morse code and make an impact in someone's quality of life let's take a look Hi, I am Tanya. This is my voice. But it just seems like by, you know, expanding the ways that they can autocomplete your thoughts, your emails, oh, these phone calls. Oh, that was a... You should probably explain that one a little bit more, but that one's such an interesting... Yeah, let's go into that. What do you mean by that? Right. So they announced uh, this Gmail autocomplete feature, and I think the example that they used was Taco Tuesday. So (laughs) let's say you're reaching out to your buds... And you want to get some talks, some tacos. <laughs> we use machine learning to start suggesting phrases for you as you type. All you need to do is to hit tab and keep auto-completing. Google figures out um, how you want to say hi to your friend. Uh, you know, you can start typing the location and... Uh, you know, it'll even in- insert like these these nice little greetings, like "Oh, hi! I hope I hope you're doing well." Um, just 
little speaking mannerisms, which I guess it's pulling from the way that you're addressing this person or other people in your previous emails. Um, and, you know, obviously it's not everybody has the same amount of time and ability to be dedicating a lot of time to to email. Um, and, you know, you can certainly imagine users that could benefit from this, but it just seems like it's it would be very easy to become reliant on this feature. And especially when they were sort of emphasizing this idea of like digital well-being, it just seems kind of ironic that, you know. Mm-hmm. How do you mean digital well-being? They were emphasizing this idea that their services are going to encourage you to take time to step away from their services and enter the mm. real world and have a better balance and use their products more mm. efficiently. Our team has heard so many stories from people who are trying to find the right balance with technology. People tell us a lot of the time they spend on their phone is really useful, but some of it they wish they'd spent on other things. So we've been working hard to add key capabilities right into Android to help people find the balance with technology that they're looking for. There's a difference between taking a break from a product and having the ability to divorce from it entirely. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're way past the point of being able to just stop using Google, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. in the foreseeable future. Oh, yeah. It's like the fabric of our society now. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking of it. I'm like, what, who, who would we be without Google? I know. I don't know. That's Google the Docs? Problem. Oh, it's God. Like, Google Docs is also in this list. I'm literally looking at a Google Docs right now. Yeah. It got I me. mean, it's like... I I feel I get annoyed with these like stories that are like oh I stopped I I stopped using my smartphone and went back to a flip phone and here is my experience because it's like what what attaches you to your smartphone is not like the sheer functionality of the smartphone but the fact that everyone you know has a smartphone and like expects you to have a smartphone it's like if you like didn't have if you like lived in we don't like we all live in New York so we don't have cars but like if you lived in the suburb and you like didn't have a car. People and would you be had, like, wow, look at this anti-car. Yeah. If uh, you were like, I'm switching, it's, it'd be literally like if you did an article that was like, I'm switching back to a horse. Ooh, <laughs> I'm just that'd gonna, be a like, good see how that goes. Piece. It's like it's this like, weird status symbol. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Horses? It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> the, ability, the ability to have a horse. <laughs> oh. <I'm, laughs> just, that, that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, now it is. I mean, that's true. That's uh, kind of true. Like, I guess because it, it's a luxury because you also, it's like to have like a flip phone. The flip phone is America's horse. Yes. It really, it truly is. Um, like if you have, if you have the privilege to be able to step away from all of these services, even mm-hmm. just, even just while you're on the go. I mean, I, I mean, I can't stop before a stoplight without checking Slack and right. my email. Right. It's, it's impossible. It's definitely a sign of privilege to be able to even consider that. Yeah, it's like a nice idea for everyone to be able to like take a step back, but like. It's so ingrained in us that it's not a, like a personal responsibility or like self-control thing. It's like a expectation, a societal expectation thing, which means like everyone – like it would be nice if we could all reevaluate how – what what the expectations are around these things and like change the – what's going on. But it takes like a – it needs to be like a group effort. It's not like for Google to be like you personally should – do X, Y, and Z. It's like no one has that sort of like amount of agency. And if you do, it you probably don't need to be that attached to your device in the yeah. first place. So it's a little bit no, of a like, I found red it kind herring. Of, 
I fa- at first I found it interesting or perhaps like a good idea, but then I realized how silly it was. Like Google's digital well-being, specifically their the apps or um, services they announced. I think one of them was called. I mean, they have app timers. Android P lets you set time limits on apps and will nudge you when you're close to your limit that it's time to do something else. And for the rest of the day, that app icon is grayed out to remind you of your goal. Come on, we're adults here. <laughs> we, you shouldn't have to lock yourself out of your own phone. But right. they had something called uh, shush mode, which I thought was also ridiculous. People have also told us they struggle to be fully present for the dinner that they're at or the meeting that they're attending because the notifications they get on their device can be distracting. So we're making improvements to do not disturb mode, to silence not just the phone calls and texts, but also the visual interruptions that pop up on your screen. To make do not disturb even easier to use, we've created a new gesture that we've affectionately codenamed shush. If you turn your phone over on the table, it automatically enters do not disturb. Or same with wind down mode, which is like if you're telling Google you're going to go to bed soon, then it'll put on do not disturb mode and slowly fade to grayscale within 30 minutes. And I'm like, come on. Is that real? It's real. That's a real one. Finally, we heard from people that they often check their phone right before going to bed. So we created wind down mode. You can tell the Google Assistant what time you aim to go to bed. And when that time arrives, it will switch on do not disturb and fade the screen to grayscale which is far less stimulating for the brain and can help you set the phone down. That's really annoying. It's, um, the face down thing is one that I would like, that, that's, I would like forget that that was a feature and like just idly put my phone down and then an hour miss. later realize I have like 4,000 messages. And That's what I wonder is like, would that work? Like, I have my phone in my back pocket a lot. Yeah. Would it somehow read that it's face it down? It might actually. Or what if I'm like, like laying It's probably down? like a, yeah, um, a proximity tactile thing. sensor thing. Yeah. Um, So another thing that I wanted to like zoom in on was uh, the Google announced something called uh, Google Duplex, which is where you I mean, I mean, they definitely announced it. I I wrote about it and it's like a thing that they're working on, but it's not formally like released yet. But it's basically a feature where you can tell your Google assistant that like you could say like, I want to get my hair cut at like four o'clock next Tuesday. And your Google Assistant will call your haircutting place <laughs> and have a full, like, natural language conversation. With a bunch of ums and with, uh, They'll be like, um, so the, this person, like, wants to get a haircut at 4 p.m. Do you have any appointments available? And the, like, person will respond. It'll process and be like, oh, uh, yeah, that's great. Cool. They'll see you then or whatever. And then... Um, then Google Assistant adds like, it to your calendar. Let's say you want to ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. How can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Sure. What time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. That was a real call you just heard. 
I mean, a, a scary thing that I didn't even touch on is that the person who is talking to this assistant at the hairdressing place doesn't know that they're talking to a robot. There's like oh, no, no indicator. They just think like, that, yeah, like it's a real person talking to a robot that sounds like a person. Right. And it's just, the, the internet was losing its mind over these videos <laughs> yesterday because they sound very realistic. But of course, they're nowhere near actually being out in the world. Right, right. I, they're like, just demos. They said, I think uh, Sundar said that the... Um, there were many, many conversations where this assistant really, like, duffed it and just, uh, like, could not—the the real person and the assistant could not make sense of each other, but they only played the couple of conversations where, th- where it, like, actually succeeded. So it seems like a ways from actually being a real feature. However, it's, like, the possibility is out there. So I wanted to ask you guys. I mean, I said I can't wait to outsource every every hard <laughs> oh, yeah, conversation. No. There's that an I article about this on the uh, outline.com. On the outline.com, I, I I gave a bunch of examples of all the difficult conversations that we can outsource, like asking your boyfriend if he's cheating on you, giving your children the quote unquote talk. <laughs> um, I forget all of the other ones. But there's quite quite a long list that you should check out. But do you guys think this is like an actual problem that needs? solving that you are you would be like happy to have this feature i mean i mean as someone that struggles in those type of situations a lot at least how i feel i don't know i i mean i have this idea that confronting those anxieties is going to help me develop as a person but i don't have any concrete proof (laughs) for that interesting interesting that you that like (laughs) google would do something that lets you allow like lets you stay basically in the womb rather than like being a grown-up yeah Yeah, shocking it's like i'm just be a snowflake forever (laughs) wow no google is uh working with a big soy exactly uh, take away all of our Um, paris do you think it's something that you would that you would either use or be happy to have i don't know i think that i would it would be cool to use maybe if it actually worked but i don't trust that google would ever actually do it correctly? I don't know. I feel like every time I trust in technology to do like the one thing that it's supposed to do accurately, it fucks me over. And it'd be really awkward if that happened and I ended up getting like a haircut that didn't exist. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I could just really pick up the phone and call somebody and do this. Or no, I just do it online because mm-hmm. the internet exists. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as this was happening, I was saying to other people at our work, I was like, I feel like the thing to remember here is not that long ago that like Google Voice, when you would receive, you could get like a voicemail and then Google Voice would transcribe the voicemail and it would just be like gibberish 90% of the time. Like it didn't understand words, it got words wrong. It was just like a complete mess. And I feel like a big thing here is Google, I think, put up some slide that was like, oh, our natural language processing has gotten so much better. Like they understand Mm -hmm. things so much better. But I sort of suspect that it's like something about it it processes errors better, not that it's like perfectly accurate. Like, I mean, I think the thing is just that they have such a large data set to draw from when it comes to natural language Mm -hmm. processing and like... Like the, how you make this work is that you have to have a huge sample and then get like the basic math of probability and other stuff from it. And since it's Google, they have all of our Google searches ever, Google Docs stuff, mm-hmm. everything we do in Gmail. Yeah, all every Google, email that's ever been written. I mean, they have enough data that eventually I'm sure it'll work fine. But I'm not sure what the – I guess people will use that as a practical application. They did mention, I think, at the end of that, that one thing they're beta testing starting soon is – um 
they think they're going to use the Google Voice or the Google AI or Duplex is what it's called, mm-hmm. uh, type calls for um, business hours um, when it comes to holidays. Because you know how it'll say whenever you look up the hours of a business and like Labor Day or something, like it's Labor Day, we don't know what these hours are. Right. I guess businesses obviously get a lot of calls asking about holiday hours. Oh, yeah. So they're going to use the Google Duplex to oh. call the business once ask them for their holiday hours and then update it. That's smart. And like a lot of times you don't even have to talk to somebody. They'll like, they're like, that will be, if you call a business, the first thing they say on the phone is like, our hours for like the upcoming holidays are blah, 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 blah. blah. They don't, you don't even have to like talk to somebody. So that's, that's like a good, I appreciate, I would appreciate that use. Yeah. No, I think it would be good like that. Or it'd be good if you're like calling your credit card company and they, you could just have a conversation with the robot. Oh my God. Can you imagine if you could call, if you could like, oh, this is one that I missed, but I wish I had included it like to cancel your gym membership or like that oh, kind of god. thing. Oh god, no, that's <laughs> like, exactly like, cancel my gym membership. Oh my god, like done. I'd be uh-huh. so happy. Mm, um, that'd be really good. Okay, so closing thoughts. Uh, do you guys think Google is going to take over all human contact and replace us with Christ. self-driving vehicles and AI? Uh, yeah, talking I think to I think Google's other? like next uh, step. Maybe Google uh, I/O for 2020 is just going to be Westworld. Oh my god. Can you imagine? <laughs> Am I the so only good. one at this office who hasn't watched Westworld? Watch Westworld, oh Caroline. I know. Watch Westworld I have a podcast. To the podcast. I know. <laughs> I need to do that. It, there's, there's a million only things like I need to do. Episodes. Caroline, Google is taking all of its cues from Westworld, so you need to. You like, need to. It's actually a, a part of the tech world now. Yeah. So. Okay. So you think Google is on a path to taking over? I mean, I think every tech company wants to be a walled garden yeah. in the world. I think Google might be doing the best I job, I think Google though. is doing the best, and they're doing the best. The best, the best like, they're they're, they're the furthest along. They're flying under the radar, and they're the furthest along. Yeah. I feel like people are not as much like, Google, I'm so angry at right. it. It's, they're doing taking over the world. Maybe the best with, like, public opinion. It's like, yeah. I think people are, like, a little mad at Apple. They're very mad at Facebook. Microsoft is nowhere. <laughs> Microsoft is, like, <laughs> off the map, but down like, a corner. Google is, like, Who? reasonably... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caroline has never heard of my Caroline is born. I don't know Microsoft. Like uh, sure. two and a half years ago. Windows 95 <laughs> did not exist when Caroline was born. Um, yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, Windows 95 is still, still a thing that we need to measure our lives by. We do no. because yeah. it's still on all the satellites, yeah. which oh, is fuck. a fact that I love. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. Nothing thank just you, belongs Casey, to me. I should thank for, myself uh, also. Thanks for having us. Yeah. The Dispatch is produced, hosted, and scored by me, James T. Green, with production assistance by Rob Dozier. Our theme song is from John Lagomasino. Today you heard from future editor Casey Johnston, staff writer Paris Martineau, and future intern Carolyn Haskins. The clips you heard throughout were from Digital Trends' Google I.O. 2018 Keynote Highlights video. A link to that is in your show notes. Thanks for listening to The Dispatch.